Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Palmer bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Welcome to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello everybody and welcome to the show. It's made possible by our friends at Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Well, the Socceroos, they're on the eve of their fifth consecutive appearance at the FIFA World Cup. And today, we're joined by a man who went to four of them in a decorated professional career that took him across the globe for nearly two decades. Mark Milligan, well, he went to an Olympic Games, he won an Asian Cup, he played just about all over the pitch and rubbed shoulders with the likes of Messi, Neymar and Mbappe. He lived the demise of the NSL, but the birth of the A-League, and he always put the green and gold first. Mark Milligan, welcome. Thanks a lot for your time. No worries. Thank you so much for having me. So the eyes of the football world are about to turn to Qatar this month for the 2022 World Cup. And I suppose for the Aussies, Mark, a date with France on the 23rd to open our tournament. Now, we are a demanding sporting nation. We know that. But as we sit here right now, what's a realistic expectation, do you think, when it comes to the Socceroos over there in the Middle East? Well, look, firstly, I'd probably have to say I don't think the footballing gods have much of a sense of humour giving us France two in a row. But um, look, I think realistic for for us and the, and the journey that we've had to, you know, through qualification to to get to this World Cup, you know, as has been for everyone. But I think, you know, especially Arnie's had so many hurdles to deal with playing so many games away from home, which was always our strength. Mm. Um, we always, teams never really liked coming to Australia and we always had good results. So Look, he had a lot to, to deal with. And then in the meantime, he was blooding a lot of new players, a lot of young players. And I think that's probably the catalyst for this World Cup. I think um, 17, it's their first major tournament. You know, there's a lot that don't have a great deal of international experience. So, look, I think there's a there's a lot of individual quality there. He doesn't have the normal window, that sort of four, five-week window in the lead-up to a World Cup to really work on things and get everyone on the same page. So he's going to rely on individuals a lot in terms of their their current form, their current fitness. But in saying that, as we saw in 2018, uh, you know, yes, France went on to to win the World Cup, but, um, you know, they, they started quite slowly. I think we were a little bit unlucky in the end not to take something out of that game. And look, I think, it, it, I think it'll probably be a similar situation, especially the European boys. They've played a lot of football. Um, you know, I can't see... Uh, even the best of teams really starting at their very, very best. As I said, yes, due to the circumstances of the World Cup, but it's it's the nature of tournaments as well. You mentioned the debutants and the 17 of them. I mean, there for the first time, of course. That was you in 2006 as, a, as the youngest member of Goose Hitting's squad. I mean, the players have assembled now, finally. What's this phase like, Mark, in the days before that first game at a, at a tournament as big as the World Cup? Well, normally it's... Um, 
it's it's very good because it's the time you sort of taper off. Normally, mm. you spend three weeks of just absolutely getting lashed and run about everywhere. So it's it's very exciting. I think um, you know the what's actually happening really really starts to sink in. You start to see uh, the fanfare and everything like that build up, but. Um, you know, I don't think you they will really appreciate that until they until they drive into the stadium for their first game. How do you reflect on your career? As I mentioned off the top, my goodness, you saw some change in the game in your in your twenty odd years. You know, big moments for the game in this country. I mean, some highs on the pitch, plenty of disappointment on the pitch, and then at the end, you helped MacArthur FC enter the competition when they needed a senior presence. So, as you sit here now, sort of relatively fresh in retirement, moving into coaching, how do you, how does it sit with you? Yeah, well, honestly, there's not been uh, you know too too much <clears throat> reflection. Uh, I've always considered myself extremely fortunate. Probably the only thing that that I've really looked back on, like seriously, and I guess um, you know over over my journey, would be you know the the commitment to the national team, and um, you know I don't think many people really understand. Uh, you know what all players sacrifice to to be in that setup, but you know uh, on a personal note, you know how much I sacrificed and how many decisions were were really honestly you know hand on heart focused around being available for the national team and um, you know making sure I was satisfying you know the requirements that they wanted. So that that for me is something I'm very proud of, something I'm very grateful for. The fact that. Yes, I made a lot of sacrifices and a lot of decisions based on what I wanted to achieve with the national team, but I was definitely rewarded, uh, you know, with selection and fortunate enough to to play with some of Australia's greatest for the last sort of 16 years. Yeah, I want to come back to that because I know it affected your, your club football as well, but the fact that you, you prioritised the national team meant that you went to four World Cups, which is amazing. We'll come back to that. But the world's biggest sporting stage is a long way from Pittwater Park. But we, we all have to start somewhere, don't we? So, And you started with Northern Spirit and the old uh, NSL. Now, was Lauren McKinnon was the coach at the time, was he not, the manager? Yeah, yeah, he was. Um, funny story, I'd sort of come out of the – I'd been at the AIS, uh, you know, for a year. Footballing-wise, for me, was unbelievable. I learned so much from Steve O'Connor and, and Reggie down there. But – it just, um, yeah, it was tough. I was only young. I didn't uh, settle in too well, um, you know, at 16, being away from home. So after my, my first year scholarship was up, uh, you know, I decided I wanted to go and trial at club teams. And I went to Northern Spirit Youth Team. And I can't remember, Gary, Scottish fellow, was the coach there. And we had a trial match out at Manly. And I was, I was very small when I was young. And Steve O'Connor was very big on us you know being hard and turning into men and so I took that sort of attitude into Northern Spirit and there was a player there Matthew Hunter he'd just come home from Leeds and I think I kicked him black and blue and they weren't too impressed with it anyway they took me on and then in the first game they had a semi-final against Newcastle and I got sent off in the I think it was the seventh minute or something so the youth team coach punted me mate he's like nah not interested too reckless enough Laurie McKenna uh, took me straight into the first team so Look, a little bit fortunate in that sense, um, but, you know, along the way, there's been a lot of those sort of moments and, you know, in sporting careers, uh, you know, sometimes it's, you know, it's a little bit of that little bit of luck you need. Just, and, and in our game of football, sometimes it's only one person that can sort of turn that career around or, or really get it started. And in my case, you know, obviously I learned a lot from Steve O'Connor, but it was probably Laurie McKenna who took that little punt on me that, that really, you know, started my professional footballing journey. Yeah, because you, you broke through there at, what, 17 years of age, at 16 appearances. But as we now know, the NSL was on borrowed time there and eventually timing wasn't in your favour. But you landed at Sydney FC. I want to talk about this squad, the inaugural 
inaugural A-League squad. I mean, what a team here. Dwight York, Dwight York joins as a marquee. Mark Redan's there. Steve Corica there. Popovich is there. And a, and a few managers come out of this group, of, and, and you can see why. Yeah, well, for Kale, Ruben Zadkovic. Yeah. Uh, absolutely fantastic team. Uh, David Drillich was there. It was very much a, a star-studded side, I think. I think we had originally 20 players uh, in the squad when we when we, when it was first sort of all brought together. And I think something 17 or 18 of them had played for the national team with Sasha. Um, Sas Petrovsky, Petrovsky, Alvin Chekely. So, look, I was very fortunate. That sort of came about and, you know, Laurie McKenna wasn't too happy with me about it because, obviously, I, he'd gone to Northern, uh, from Northern Spirit to the Central Coast Mariners. So I, he was quite keen to sort of get me there. But we had another 20s camp in uh, Chile and Argentina. It was the first time I actually played Messi and Ian Crook was the assistant coach. Um, and after that, those sort of, I think we played three or four games over there. And Crook said, look, we need you to come to Sydney. Um, obviously, I was a right back then. Uh, and then, yeah, the, the, I guess the rest is history. It was a, an unbelievable squad and you know, a little bit dampened. I uh, had a big injury that year, so I missed a lot of football. Um, but on the back of it, got myself into a World Cup team and got to watch the first grand final because I was suspended. But <laughs> I was still a part of that squad, which was unbelievable. I want to come back to that grand final. But what was the change room like? I mean, pro sport, Mark, was it probably a harsher world back then? I mean, you could say things then that you can't now and do things then that you can't now. You know, for you, the school of hard knocks in some ways? Yeah, absolutely. And it was the same at Northern Spirit as well. You, you were very much... Uh, the apprentice, you very much had to earn your stripes. And look, in all honesty, I, I probably, I probably had it better than the other younger boys because because I'd played uh, through Northern Spirit and I'd played first grade football. And you know, I was, uh, even at the start of of the my Sydney career, I was uh, playing regularly under Lip Barsky. So the older boys softened a little bit uh, towards me. Not a great deal, believe me, not a great deal. Um, as I said, you very much had to earn your place every single day. And I think that, you know, held me well for the rest of my career because it's not easy, uh, you know, traveling overseas and, you know, moving away from to new environments and things like that. But I think, uh, you know, the experience that that team had uh, in terms of, you know, the players that we've mentioned and, and what they passed on to me was, was invaluable. And I, I still think that now, you know, there's so much that, that we as coaches can do for players, but I still think the the majority of, of learning and the majority of things that young players take are, are from whoever's sitting next to them in a change room. Yeah, yeah. And and as you touched on, missing that grand final, it must have been really tough. I mean, any journey as long as yours is going to have setbacks and you're going to need resilience. And you say so you got an early test here. I think... I think they ended up changing the rule anyway, didn't they? But you got two yellow cards yeah. in the in the semi-final, the two, the two legs to get into the grand final, and you had to sit there and, and watch it. Yeah, well, if we had have lost to Adelaide, I would have been able to sit the next week out and play the grand final. But yeah, so it was obviously a new league. They, they had to polish a few little points after that. But yeah, we played Adelaide home and away, and uh, I think I got done for a handball in the first one and then a little bit of a late challenge in the second one. But, you know, that, as I said, we had so much depth in that squad, uh, I guess, compared to probably a lot of the teams in the A-League. And, you know, obviously Dwight York and Stevie Corica combining uh, to, to beat Central Coast was was unbelievable. You would have loved to be a part of it. But again, just another, as you mentioned, another sort of moment in my career that, mm. 
and, and that's probably something I was good at, sort of taking those, you know, tough situations or tough moments and, and really being able to come out the back of that a, a better person and a better player. You're listening to This Is Your Journey. It's thanks to Tobin Brothers, a family-owned business since 1934. Mark Milligan has caught the eye of a certain goose hitting, and the start of a memorable Socceroo story is up next. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, great to have your company on This Is Your Journey, made possible by Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. We're chatting to former Socceroo Mark Milligan. So, Mark, the 2005 FIFA World Youth Championships, you spoke about them earlier. They're on in the Netherlands in June and July of 05. And Gus Hiddink, well, he wouldn't be announced as Socceroo's boss until July 22, but he would say later that he saw you in that championships. And you obviously left an impression. Yeah, I, um, I had a good tournament. Uh, <laughs> we, we had a little bit disappointing overall for the team. Obviously, Ange Postacoglu was the boss. Um, and it was in the Netherlands. We had Netherlands in our group. Um, you know, that was probably the, the, the clincher uh, for me uh, in terms of the performance. And um, obviously, again, another sliding doors moment with the with the with Gus hitting being at the game with his assistants and things like that. Obviously we had no idea what was, what was to be later on, but um, you know, they had a, the, the Dutch team then had a fantastic team. Probably the most notable was Babel who went, went on to play for Liverpool and I was actually marking him for the majority of it. And um, yeah, I just had, it was just, you know, one of those days, everything I, I touched uh, turned to gold, I guess. Um, it wasn't long after that. It was only a few weeks after that. I got called into so I think he got announced about a month later and yeah. I got called into a camp at the end of 05. I received my first call-up letter. They used to send out a letter by post those days <laughs> uh, when, I was, when I was lying in a hospital bed. So, you know, I missed I missed that sort of chance to be a part of um, Uruguay and the, the lead-up to the World Cup. But, you know, fortunate enough for me, uh, you know, Gus Hiddink and Graham Arnold especially uh, kept a close eye on me. And obviously once I was fit and playing again, I, Played at the back end of that A-League season. Uh, got a phone call after our last, oh, it would have been a couple of days after the grand final from Graham Arnold saying, oh, look, you need to keep playing. And I said, well, mate, that's all well and good. Where, how do I do that? <laughs> Where do I go to play? So I ended up going to um, Sutherland Sharks in the MPL. Played six games with them. So my last game before going to my first World Cup was at <laughs> Leichhardt Oval, you know, uh, sitting, in a, sitting in a change room listening to... A lot of experienced players at the Sharks then. Probably the most notable then was George Souris. was just absolutely yeah going for his life because I was sitting in a change room at Leichhardt with him. And I think it was the day after I was flying to Melbourne to join the World Cup team. So, um, <laughs> again, just a, a, the whole experience for me to lead up to that after being called in. And then, obviously, being in Melbourne was Mate, it was very, very surreal. So you're the youngest in the squad of 23, the Socceroos squad, and I think at the time, one of only two players from the A-League as well. So the names in there we know, Viduka, Kuhl, Grella, uh, Bresciano. I mean, these are players I assume you grew up watching. I mean, was it a head spinner going to Germany in 06? You must have been pinching yourself. Yeah, absolutely. As I said, that first day we, we went to Melbourne, I think we had about a week and a half in Melbourne. We played Greece. Uh, before we went over to Europe, before that, uh, before the cup, so that that first day was extremely surreal. You know, you got the players like Lucas flying in, you know, from overseas, and 
Um, I'd, I'd watched a lot, obviously, of them coming through. And probably at the time, you know, my favourite player was Craig Moore. And then you're sitting at dinner with these boys signing jerseys, uh, hmm. you know, in a big room. And just, I think the way they they took me in and, you know, what it wasn't unexpected because I didn't really know what to expect. But that was my first real experience and understanding that you know these all these boys that i grew up watching they were just people they were just good blokes and you know they they literally uh wanted the best for me as they did themselves you captain the Oli Roos. you're just moving on from germany in 07 qualification of course for the olympics in, in beijing of 08 now the argentina game stands out in those olympics because they had an attack that that had names that were well and truly on the way to being if they weren't already superstars of the game you know messi angel Di maria lavezio i think scored in that game sergio aguero on and on it goes it was a one nil defeat but you lost no friends the Oli Roos put in a great showing the reputation of players can, can bring their rivals unstuck in in your sport i reckon before you've even kicked off i mean is there an art to not being intimidated probably probably not an art i think as australian players we were always sort of brought up and we all we had a one of the big things that Ange did before the, the 2015 asian cup was he had everyone stand up and, and tell their story because the story for football especially coming through when i did was never easy um you know what what we did when we were young most of the places i was was sort of was frowned upon you know i grew up in sydney where it's all rugby league um you know i was i wouldn't say picked on but always ostracized a little bit because yeah. i played football i went over to perth when i was 10 years old i didn't know what was going on the afl was everywhere i'd never even experienced afl i took a football to school one day and basically got laughed out of the place so you're sort of always up against it coming through when i came through up against it playing the game we did anyway so i think that hold you in good stead when when it comes to getting older and when Ange did that made us all stand up and tell our story everyone's story while so different was so so similar yeah so i think that intimidation and things like that sort of goes out the window and that was something i think is the the socceroos has always been built on we 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 know we knew what we what we were we knew what we are it was it was never there was never an intimidation. Yes, we we appreciated what we were playing, but we we're never afraid of who or what we were coming up against. Almost like that resilience is inbuilt in you in a way because of the the steps you've had to take to get there in the first place. Yeah, I, I really I really think so. And and honestly, you know, with the A League and um, the soccer's success over the last five years, especially, I think that that narrative has definitely changed. And I think you know the kids coming through the game now have a have a different path. But you know, I hope that that attitude is something that's been embedded in these players. You know, going forward. You mentioned management, obviously, with Ange. And, and Graham Arnold, I think, was your manager, you know, throughout that Oli Roos campaign. And he was he's a big part of your career, the early days, all the way through as well to the national team. I'm not sure there's been as many people under as much pressure as him in recent times. There was a great article in the Good Weekend magazine on him last weekend. You know, the decision to withdraw summed him up pretty much, Graham Arnold. Matt Ryan for Andrew Redmayne, the shootout win over Peru uh, for Qatar. Now... Now that you're in the coaching setup, I'm not sure if you've done a similar thing, but Arnie said in this story, I was one kick away from being Australia's most hated man. Yeah, well, look, that's, you know, that's his job. He gets paid, you know, good money. I, you know, I, I cannot and honestly can't say that if I was in his position, whether I'd have the courage to do that, um, because he is absolutely correct. It, you know, it, it's it's one of those decisions where if it comes off, excellent. <laughs> if it doesn't, it's, it's a lot worse. So, look, in the end... In, it's a it's a fantastic decision. That's what he gets paid to do. And 
you know, that's why he's been back to to go in and, and take this young squad into the World Cup. You've always had a good relationship with him, haven't you? Yeah, we've had More good and bad relationship. <laughs> I think you know anyone for that long. There's there's been a lot of good, very very good times, but there's been some been some tough times through the journey as well. You know, for the majority of of Arnie's career too, he has been in and around the national team. As I said, he he was the one that that really I think got it over the line in 2006, and then. Obviously, we had him through Oli Roos and the Asian Cup in, in Thailand as well, which was an extremely difficult um, time. But again, another great learning experience for all, all of us. So, yeah, you know, what's uh, I think 20-odd years I've known Arnie. So, yeah, you go through those those very, very good times, but there's definitely been some times with butt heads as well. You're with This Is Your Journey. It's brought to you by Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. You can find them online at tobinbrothers.com.au. So while Mark Milligan is coming of age for the national team, his club football fortunes are proving a little harder to read. That's up after this. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, we hope you're enjoying this week's edition of This Is Your Journey. Today's guest is former Socceroos captain Mark Milligan. So, Mark, I'm keen to go back a bit. We've spoken a lot about the national setup. Playing club football in Europe, was that ever the dream for you like it is for so many? 100%. Um, I think from a very, very young age, uh, you know, I got brought up on on European football. That was, um, uh, you know, my granddad uh, followed it, used to listen to it on, on the radio. And whenever it was on SBS, it would be on at home. So that was that was very much. And, and from quite young as well, um, I, I was sort of always put in the bracket or, or told that, you know, that that should be my path. That should be the journey that I go on. And then you, you hear comparisons of players that had, had done it. And I think the realisation came very quickly of, of how difficult that journey actually was. And probably a little bit of naivety on my part, especially when I was very young, of, of just what was, um, you know, just how much players previously before me had to go through to to achieve what they did. You were linked with so many big clubs over so many years in that part of the world. I mean, but if we drill down into it, I mean, who did you trial with and and perhaps, you know, stood most chance of joining? I mean, what are the ones that stand out over the years? Yeah, well, the two that were probably most in, well, most solid for me were, um, I went over, when was it? It would have been after the 07 Asian Cup. I went to, I went over to Fulham because we, we were in the off-season at the time. I went over to Fulham because Adrian Leia was there. And the agent at the time who was looking after me had, had signed uh, Leia to, to Fulham. So he took me over there to train for a few weeks to get fit. I had um, I had a trial there with uh, Man City. And this was before, obviously, yeah. Man City was the, the money powerhouse that it is now. So Sven Gorn Eriksson was the coach. Anyway, they were they were fantastic. Um, you know, I, I was there for four days. Uh, Sven offered me a four-year deal. Uh, obviously, the way it works, especially back then, I was quite quite young, 19, sort of 20. So he brought me into his office. We had a discussion. Uh, I leave the office. The, the agent comes in. Anyway, they, they started negotiating, doing whatever they do. Uh, the next day, uh, I went into training and I think they had a game that weekend, which I went to. And then on the Monday, Sven got sacked. Mark Hughes, Mark Hughes came in. Uh, I was very fortunate. Uh, he wasn't really interested at first in obviously having a trialist or, you know, he wasn't privy to the 
to the discussions beforehand. Um, I was just very fortunate that Ian Crook had played with Mark Hughes, uh, put in a good word and said, look, I think you need to just have a look at this kid. So Mark Hughes invited me back in and said, yeah, all right, you can come train with us. After two days, Mark Hughes called me into his office. He offered me the same deal that I had uh, received off Sven. (laughs) Uh, Obviously, my passport um, situation was very difficult then. I didn't have any sort of heritage or, you know, a lot of players that had gone over previously had gone when they were very young, sort of. 15, 16, come through the school system. And it was a little bit of a, a backdoor, I guess, into into the UK for them. Uh, I hadn't done that. So, again, agreed to terms. Um, I think it was Grasshoppers they wanted to send me to in Switzerland uh, because I couldn't go into the UK straight away. I went back to the hotel that night. Uh, my agent, I didn't go training next day. I got advised not to go. I don't know why. Again, listened to my agent, took his advice. Three days I didn't go. Uh, next thing I Next thing I knew... Um, he was telling me that I had a trial at Arsenal, which was very strange to me. Again, I was young, probably didn't speak up uh, as much as I as much as I should have. Um, so anyway, found myself at Arsenal. They were excellent. Very, very surprised. Um, I was very hesitant. Uh, you know, as I said, Man City at the time weren't you know what what they are now. So it was a little bit of a mid to lower table yep. team where I felt that. Uh, you know, I fit in very well. It was uh, a lot more comfortable for me. Uh, and then obviously going to Arsenal, my first day uh, was with Sanya and the boys were off. So Sanya, the right back there, and Arsene Wenger took the session. Uh, so it was just the two of us and, and Arsene Wenger. And you know, that was quite intimidating. I, I reckon. Quite a good day. That is, that yeah, is full quite, on, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you don't expect, you know, a manager of that level sort of to be in, not only on the day off, but but to be there Sanya was coming back from injury, um, so he was sort of keeping an eye on things. And I, I guess that goes to speak to why he had the career that he did, yeah. you know, those those small sort of details. But anyway, that was a three-day trial. He um, he ended up extending it and asking me to stay for another week. And we had an Ollie Roos camp in Townsville coming up. It was just a camp. There was no games or anything like that. Uh, I rang for permission to stay at Arsenal for another week because they had asked me to, and meaning I'd, I'd missed that missed that camp um the powers that be weren't weren't too impressed with that uh said that i needed to be in that camp and myself being myself i, I told my agent look I, I can't so we had a meeting with arsenal look they were very complimentary um i'd had quite a good week with them already um but basically said that if i left then you know there'd there'd be nothing they could sort of do and that, at the time the talk was more that not that I'd signed for Arsenal, more that he felt that I was in the right place and that they would help me. Um, so basically saying sort of that Man City sort of level at that time was was the right place for me. But anyway, I, I decided to to go home for the camp. Uh, the camp started on a Saturday afternoon. I booked last minute. This was Thursday night in the UK. I landed in Sydney early on Saturday morning. Um, I rang... Uh, the federation to get uh, my flight details and they told me not to bother to come to camp so that was a little bit of a tough period because i'd sort of given up i'm not going to say it you know i'm going to say an opportunity uh to come home uh you know for that reason and the next sort of six months after that were were very turbulent with the national team i'd and and with the 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 ollie ruse and things like that I, i lost the captaincy and and those sorts of things and um now, that was a very, very tough period for me. But again, that really, I guess, 
you know, while the disappointment of Europe was there, I, I'd, I'd sort of seen how, how difficult it was. You know, I'd spent a long time, about six months all up over there. You know, I'd, I'd had visas denied, things like that. And, and that was when the, the, the China deal came up and uh, that I, I felt that I just needed to be out of Australia. I needed to be out of my comfort zone. And, and that Shanghai, Shenhua deal, um, you know, seemed like a good, a good fit because we were new to Asia um, they were Asian Champions League. They were a big, big side. And and I'm never going to look back and say that it was a regret because my journey from there, I've loved every minute. But, um, you know, I think that's something that I could have handled differently and maybe been a little bit stronger on who I took the advice from and who I didn't. It's only natural to wonder what if. And, I mean, if you could go back in time, I mean, you've touched on it, but how would you play it and where would you have liked to have played? Well, I mean, what would you have done now if we could transport you back to that that time, whether it be at Man City, whether it be at Fulham, whether it be at Arsenal or whatever it might be? Um, yeah, I would have just taken that extra week, to be honest with yeah. you, because not not that... Look, I just think at the end, because of the... And I'm saying this only because of the result that came from me deciding to come home. You know, and obviously I didn't know that at the time and hindsight's wonderful. So looking back, if, if I had a, if I could change probably anything, it would be that sort of three or four day period where uh, where I decided to to sort of, I guess, maybe take the easy route a little bit and, and come home. So what stands out from a club perspective at the end of, of it all? I know a lot of victory fans here would recall 2015 with, with great fondness, 3-0 over Sydney, of course, your old club, your captain, you're awarded the Joe Master medal. I mean, what stands out from your club football stints? Um yeah, look, I've had some wonderful moments. Again, we spoke about Sydney already. I think my my time in Japan was uh, was very difficult, but I learned so so much as a footballer um, over there. Uh, I think probably when I look back, just from a footballing perspective, I think my sort of those three years, um, you know, victory that first year under Ange, and then the following two years with with Muskie there was probably the best form that that I was in, and um, in terms of the way that I was playing the game and and uh, I guess that 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 period, everything sort of felt so effortless for me. Um, you know, I could I, I can remember one day standing in the tunnel that Eddie had, and I'd had a terrible week uh, in terms of uh, I just hadn't been great. I'd just been off, um, wasn't feeling great, and I can remember standing in the tunnel that Eddie had, thinking, "What are you worried about? Like you'll be fine. Just go out on the pitch and play." And, and that's how it was at that time. Like it didn't sort of matter what I was sort of feeling or how I'd trained. I just always felt that. Um, you know, I was just in a good place for yeah. to, to go out and play and do well. Yeah, and there was something nice, wasn't there, about ending it all at MacArthur FC? I mean, a new kid on the block, you come in as the, the wily old veteran, if I can say that, you know, a sense of giving back almost? Yeah, absolutely. And look, I was, it was a tough decision for me because I had another, I had another year playing over in the UK. And the whole reason I, I did go to the UK was firstly because I could finally get in <laughs> without any stress. <laughs> And the second reason was to to create, um, you know, relationships and and to meet people for for after football. I always knew the coaching path was something I wanted to go down. Um, so that was the main reason I went to Scotland and then obviously into England as well. And then with COVID, um, you know, that decision to to leave was forced upon us. Um, and during that COVID period over there, I, I was I was done in my head. Um, you know, mentally, mentally, physically, I was still fine, which was which was nice. Uh, but I, I didn't want to play anymore. Um, you know, my agent at the time was sort of saying, "Look, you, you can't, you can't walk away. You'll regret it." Blah blah blah. Um, and the, to be honest, the turning point for me in terms of coming home and actually playing again was um, was Ante. Uh, I'd obviously known him for a, a long time through the national team, 
Um, you know, I'd seen how hard COVID had been for him as well in terms of, um, you know, missing the, the Olympics with the Matildas, uh, you know, overlapping jobs. And when I sat down with Ante and um, basically he said to me, come give me, you know, two years. And then our arrangement was that if I'd signed two years, but I, I'd made a promise to him that, you know, if I, if I was done, I'd let him know early. Mm. And then, you know, there'd be, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't just sit around, I guess, and, and collect. I, I've always been big on, you know, I, I was going to retire when, when I wanted to retire. I was, I wasn't going to be pushed out of the game. Uh, you know, I wasn't going to overstay my welcome, so to speak. When, when I felt like I was done, I was going to be brutally honest with him. And um, that, that was going to be that. And yeah, so that's why I went to MacArthur and, you know, I was, I had a, had a wonderful year there. We had a fantastic team as well. Um, you know, fantastic setup there, Anth Korea, um, you know, who I'd worked with for, you know, as long as I've been in football, you know, these sorts of people were there and you know, I got to share that, that with my, with my family and, and my kids in Sydney. And, you know, I hadn't played in Sydney since Sydney FC. So to be able to do that was, was excellent. Well, we're talking to Mark Milligan on This Is Your Journey. Thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Stick around. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating Lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. It's been great to have your company here on This Is Your Journey. All thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals, that family-owned business since 1934. And former Socceroo Mark Milligan has been our guest today. I just want to come back to the international setup for a moment, uh, Mark. The 06 World Cup was work experience. 2010 in South Africa under Pim Verbeek, you feature once. Tough 3-1 loss to Chile in the opener. Difficult tournament. A couple of red cards. Not much luck in, in, in that one, was there? I went back and had a look at that the other day. And um, the two red cards, that was a, that was a what-if sort of a tournament yeah it was and um definitely we 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 started that south africa uh, tournament a little bit slowly it's going to be tough when when harry kill gets sent off and uh you know not only losing harry but then going down to down to 10 men but yeah very much and, and that was sort of a little bit of a, a changing of guard that that 2010 uh world cup as well obviously um you know i think it was the final tournament for players like uh craig moore yeah, who was so influential over the years. Um, it ended up being the final tournament for players like Carl Valeri, Brett Holman, and things like that. So it was uh, after that sort of period that you know Holger came in, and the qualification was was difficult. Uh, we had a lot of new faces coming through, uh, and then obviously that was all finished off with you know Ange coming in before before Brazil. So a little bit of a turbulent time in, in Australian, uh, in national team set up, I guess, just because of the turnover of players and, yeah. and things like that. But, you know, what, what helped that was, I think that period there, that 2011, 12, 13, 14, the A-League was very, very strong. Um, you know, you had players like uh, Robbie Cruz coming through and, you know, very, very exciting players. Um, so it, you know, while it was a little bit of a turbulent time with the national team, it ended up being very much a settling period mm. from that sort of 2014 moment on. The 2015 Asian Cup final was such a great night. Um, 2-1 over South Korea, obviously, after extra time. Gee, it was tense. I, I want to ask you where this rated. I mean, you, I don't think you played the opener, but obviously you, you featured the next five consecutively. What are your memories of the of the final? Um, yeah, 
uh, unbelievable. The whole tournament was, um, you know, super. to be able to do that on home soil uh, was was extremely exciting. You know, we sort of had to have your families, I guess, so close for for the entire entire period was was something very unusual come to a major tournament. You know, you'd see them here and there, but I guess you sort of, they were always relevant. They were always a part of that tournament. And obviously what 90 odd thousand at Homebush, you know, what a fantastic experience and, you know, what a topsy-turvy game. The Socceroos, kings of the continent for the first time. They're the champions of Asia in 2015. You know, I, I think I, I finished that game playing at right back, ended up playing there for about 60 minutes because Frenich <laughs> tore his groin. And, you know, that was a, in 2014, um, before the Spain game, uh, before the Dutch game in 2014, Frenich had got injured against Chile. He tore his hamstring. Ange came to me at the coffee machine and as Ange does, had a very deep and meaningful conversation with me, basically turned to me and said, you're playing right back on Thursday or whatever it was and walked off. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I that in a long time. It requires a lot of different attributes to, to the way that I used to play, sort of that one pace just cruising around midfield. And I and I'd end up tearing my hamstring the day before the Dutch game as well. Um, but I knew when Frenich went off in that, in that uh, final against South Korea, I sort of looked over to the bench and Ange looked to me and I can remember sort of just turning away because I knew what was coming. I got, I got a shout, got sent to right back and I had to look after Son for sort of 50 minutes, which was, um, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't that enjoyable to be honest. There was one tackle in particular. It was, I think it was in extra time. He, he got the ball out wide and there was sort of a little bit of space between us. And all I can remember thinking was just, kick him before he gets into the box. <laughs> so I remember he's come in, he's run at me. I don't know. He did a little step over or something. I've made, I've literally closed my eyes, lunged in hundred and something minute clean yeah. tackle. And that was the biggest relief of my life because that could have gone very, very badly. All right. So we've established that you hated right back. Uh, you played, <laughs> you played center back, you played holding midfield, you played midfield pure, I think as well. Uh, of all the positions, where were you, where did you most enjoy? What were you best suited to? Do you think? Look, I very much, you know, when we talk positions, we talk a lot of numbers now, and hmm. I very much enjoyed playing in the middle of the park. So um, I didn't mind, like, I enjoyed playing centre-back, but I think through the main part of my career, I really sort of enjoyed playing that sort of eight role where uh, it's sort of that that box-to-box, a uh, little bit of freedom. And probably one of the reasons I I really enjoyed that time at Melbourne Victory, that was that, that three years was probably the only time I was, I guess, really felt a freedom in the way that I played. We had the likes of Carl Valeri there, Mm. you know, who was absolutely one of the best players I've played with, in all honesty, who would just sort of, I knew he was always sitting behind me. So I was sort of free to go and hunt the ball and, you know, get forward, get into the box. And there was no real, uh, I guess, expectation from my part that, you know, I had to be extremely disciplined in in my starting positions and things like that because I knew Carl was always there covering covering for me so that that was my favorite role I think just just playing that eight and probably one of the reasons that 
I was fortunate enough to have such a good grand final against Sydney. Russia 2018 was was tough, tough group. You know, it's amazing how the planets have aligned, how history's repeated, given we've got France again, we've got Denmark again, as you touched on, uh, Tunisia instead of Peru, who obviously we had to beat to qualify. So Russia was tough. But I, I wanted to finish with a couple of quick ones and a couple of probably tricky ones for you to answer, Mark. You touched on uh, Carl Valeri there, but the best teammate you played with, whether it be the most skilled or most disciplined or one that stands out, whether it be national or domestic, is there one that comes or two that come readily to mind? Um, probably the one that I learned the most from was Mark Viduka. I think I spent, you know, I spent the best part of five weeks uh, attempting to mark him in 2006 in the lead up to the World Cup. Because obviously they work very heavily on their starting eleven, and yeah. you know, it was sort of my job day in day out to to be on Viduka. And I think that's where I learned the most. As I said, I was never the the sort of biggest player and especially playing a lot of center back it, it it really that really helped me and you know that they lessons i took from that were lessons that i took you know that i still put into place in 2018 you know when when the likes of Drew come on the field and i don't think if i had that experience in in 2006 with with the likes of Viduka, I, I would have been able to to handle those sort of situations i don't think i would have had the success i had at you know playing center back against some of the world's best yeah yeah and this is going to be tough the best manager, or at least the manager, the boss that was able to get the best out of Mark Milligan, the best out of you, whether that be mentally, physically, both, that was able to harness your talents and you felt you played your best football under? Yeah, Andrew Postacoglu was unbelievable. Um, he taught me a lot in the under-20s uh, when he had me. Uh, he taught me even more um, when I went back to victory. He, he uh, you know, it was a very easy decision. Uh, I left Japan where, you know, it was very high standard very high level and uh he rang me and said look i want you to come back to victory and i said yeah no problem and we we sort of left everything over there and came back for him and look he taught me things uh in the game that now i adopt in the way that i coach so he didn't only improve me as a player mate he just improved my football knowledge in general yeah and i'll see your kids buzzing around in the background there who are you gonna when they're old uh, older who are you gonna tell them that you played against and and what you did and their and their kids and their kids i mean who are you gonna who are you gonna hold on to who was the the toughest the best the most skilled opponent the the one with the most the highest profile that you came up against you reckon yeah, well, I was fortunate enough, you know, obviously to play against a lot of great players. We we watched Neymar in Brazil absolutely tear us all apart on his own. Um, but but probably Messi, to be honest. And and I only say that not yes because it's Messi, but but not only that. But we played um, we played Argentina in the under twenties. It would have been in two thousand and four, yeah. two thousand early two thousand five, maybe over in Argentina. You know, he was a young sixteen year old at the time. He came off the bench. Uh, we were up two nil. And we lost 3-2. Uh, we played in a little boutique stadium. But the things that he could do and effortlessly, and that never changed. You know, I played him a few years later. And, um, you know, he, I think just his presence on the field was was something that I'll never forget. You could you could literally feel him from the other side of the field. And, Isn't that amazing? You know, yeah. It was um, a, a fantastic, uh, fantastic player. And, and as I said, to I think to play him before all the hype and and to see to see what he was then sort of before he he'd really you know come onto the international stage was um I, 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 something I'll cherish forever yeah was he a talker he doesn't strike me as someone who says anything on the pitch 
No, not a great deal. But like I said, those those they're, they're normally the ones you need to worry yeah. about. You know, I think <laughs> one of our greatest players uh, who's still playing the game, Aaron Moy, he's an absolutely fantastic player. Not much of a not much of a talker, but yeah, they're 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 normally the ones that that you have to be careful of. Mark Milligan, thanks so much for joining us today, mate. I mean, yours is a journey of promise, of setbacks, of course, as we said, triumphs, and they all came and went, but that your resilience was the constant. You were always available for your country, which was a subject of obviously so much admiration, and the resume is incredible, and so are the achievements. So well done on it all, mate, and, and thanks again for sharing it all with us. No worries. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for joining us also. You've been listening to This Is Your Journey for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. You can jump online to find tobinbrothers.com.au and we'll catch you the next time we celebrate another great sporting journey. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.